mic working? A little higher? Oh, that's right. I always forget to raise it up. Is that better? Okay, good. I think I told you a long time ago the reason why that's a habit is because for six years, I used a mic like this at the back in Tennessee, and it was so overly sensitive that I had to almost put it down here. Because it was, you would talk and it would sound like you're yelling at people, you know, so I didn't, I didn't want to be one of those preachers, so. Good morning. How are you? Boker Tov? Boker Tov. I always thought a Hebrew teacher would say, we'd walk in on class and he'd say, Boker Tov. And it'd sound like you're saying broken toe, you know, broken toe. Talking about Chesed? Chesed? No, no, the one that said thank you. Oh, Toda Rabbah. Toda. I know that one, but then I didn't know the correct response. Bavakasha. Bavakasha. Now, I'm horrible. I'm horrible with transliteration. I'll give you the what I think it's supposed to be spelled like. Bavakasha. Yes, ma'am. All right, good morning, everybody. All right. Now, look, this is funny. A few weeks ago, it felt like the room was tilting this way. Now it's tilting the other way because we have so many folks over here instead of over here. Um, where is everybody today? A lot of people traveling still? I kind of thought we'd have everybody back right now. Well, I hope and pray that you all are doing well. Um, I uh, found uh, I have an issue here this morning. My Bible fell apart on me. And... Uh, Rightly dividing the word of truth, that's right. So um, we're, we're not going to do Revelation, I'm sorry, ever. Uh, it's gone. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Um, but I don't know, what do you think? I was thinking maybe some, maybe like give me some brown like duct tape, you know, just kind of stick it on there, maybe a little bit of glue. Might, might make it last for a few more months anyway. Now, I've decided, I've decided that uh, um, I'm going to have to uh, deal with the fact that my eyes are not quite as good as they used to be, and so I've decided that my next Bible, I'm going to make sure the print's a little bigger, just slightly, just a little bit, not much, Mrs. Brooks. Don't laugh at me that hard. Okay, you're laughing with me. That's a good political response. Um, speaking of politics, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Boy, things are kind of a mess right now, aren't they? Let's go ahead and take a moment to uh, to pray this morning. Liz, good morning. Come on in. Or as, as they would say on The Price is Right, come on down. Um, what do we need to be praying about? I have one thing that, that was just to, uh, told to me this morning that we absolutely need to pray about. Augustine uh, had to go to the emergency room. Um, that's, as, that's, that's as much as I know. I don't know. Do, do... Martha, what would you say? They are coming? Okay, so he's not at the ER right now? He's already out. Okay, good. Perfect. Excellent. Okay, what else do we need to be thinking about this morning? Uh, David Miller. David Miller. I spoke to him um, earlier last week, and uh, he was dealing with some of the same issues, just shortness of breath. Um, doctors are running more tests. Does anybody have a more updated update? Maybe the last two or three days, Anybody? Okay. 
Okay, so still the same problem, shortness of breath, still running tests. So let's remember him in our prayers. Anybody else? Okay, James? Cough? Really? Okay. Anybody else? We need rain. Yes, ma'am. Can you say that one more time? Oh, Colwell family. Spoke to him, spoke to Bo actually earlier this week. Um, he had said that he was going to be at worship this morning. I hope that hope they can make it. Okay. Anybody else? Right? Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, pray for rain. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. What's the, what's the name? Mhm. Good. Mrs. Martha? Your family? And then uh, <clears throat> I'm going to put just um, the nations of the world, um, just, just the world with everything going on. I saw a news story, um, saw several news stories. I'm sure that you all, uh, I, I haven't watched the news a lot lately, um, just because in, in my view, the, um, there's so much of that pulling and pushing to try to divide us and get us to take sides with different things. Um, that it's hard to know what's actual news and what's propaganda, if you will. But um, it, it's pretty clear that, that we are going to be facing some difficult times. And, uh, you know, they're talking about food shortages. They're, they're already talking about the, you know, the rising cost of uh, the inflation and everything. So uh, one of the things that, that I, I would encourage everybody to do in our church is, is uh, you know, we, we have car insurance, right? What's the whole point of car insurance? Car insurance is there so that if you have a wreck, if, if something happens, um, then you have the means and the ability to, to fix your car, right? Well, I always recommend people also have food insurance, too. Um, it's good to stock up on food. You know, that's what, our great, that's what my great-grandmother, she grew up in the Depression, and, and they laid by in store for difficult times. People today don't understand that. Um, we live day to day, and we think that tomorrow is always going to be like today, and it's always going to be the same. Um, and we've never had to go through hardship in this, in this nation like I think we're probably going to in the next year or so. So uh, be thinking about that. Be praying about that. Um, not, as a, not in a place of fear. Christians have been through far worse. Um, but in a place of, of being prudent, of laying by in store, and making every opportunity, because I tell you, as things get more difficult in this country, as people start feeling pain in their pocketbook and with so, socially, um, it's going to present doors that will be open for the gospel, for us to be able to speak truth into people's lives. Um, it's when the world goes crazy 
and they see Christians who are calm and have faith and who are walking through it faithfully, that's when people look at you and go, okay, look, what's going on in your life? Because whatever you have, I want some of that, right? David, it's so good to see you. David is here with us this morning. He's over here. He slipped in like a ninja while we were talking just now. But um, David, how are you feeling today? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Yeah? Well, your ears are probably red because we were just talking about you. So, all right. Well, let's take a minute. Let's pray. And uh, let's go ahead and get into the, the text this morning for what we're going to be talking about. Okay, let's, let's go to the Father. Our gracious God, our King, Lord, we come before you in the presence of the many witnesses, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just want to open your word this morning, we want to see with eyes that see and hear with ears that hear. God, I pray for every single person who's in this room, and I pray that, that you would just, um, just open up the eyes of our understanding. Give us enlightenment as we go into your word so that we can see truths that are eternal, that, that, that change us from the inside out. And Lord, there's several names that have been brought up before you this morning, people that we love, people that we care for, people that we we want to see good happen to. Um, so thankful that David is here this morning. I'm, I'm so grateful for him and his life and his wife and his ministry and everything he does. And I just pray for you to, to restore his health. I pray for James Whitefield. God, another, um, <clears throat> another hero of the faith in this congregation. I pray, Father, that you would help him with this cough that he's got going on and bring him swift healing. And God, there's, there's several that are dealing with so many struggles. Bo Colwell and the, the Colwell family. Um, Martha Laura, her family. Um, Maria and JC Guerra with addiction, stress. Just so many different things that are going on. We pray for David and Linda Mize. And then finally, Lord, we, we also pray for the world and for everything that's going on in the world. God, I, uh, I, we see the need for godly and spiritual counsel when it comes to the leaders of this world. And I pray, Father, that um, before things get really bad and uh, people start picking up weapons, that we can find peace, that somehow we can find peace. I pray all these things, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Well, we, <clears throat> we started a brand new Bible class uh, last week on the tabernacle revealed. And I had mentioned to you that uh, the tabernacle has a lot of different ways that you can look at it. The first one we talked about was the tabernacle being the house of the Lord. And that was probably the, the most obvious one. It was built for the purpose of being um, a centralized location where you always knew where God's presence was. If you wanted to be in the presence of God, you would go to the temple. But I also mentioned to you that there are some other ways that you can see the tabernacle, that the tabernacle also is a picture. It is a, um, a parable, if you will, of different things. It, just like with many things in the Bible, there's different layers of meaning. There's different layers of understanding. And last week we talked to you, uh, that's what we're going to get into. In fact, let me go ahead and get over to that. We're not going to watch the video again. Okay, God's dwelling place. What I want to talk about this morning is looking at the tabernacle as a picture of Jesus Christ. A picture of Jesus Christ. I want to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Now, while you're turning over there, let me just ask the question. It might seem a little bit obvious, but what is the purpose of the tabernacle? What's its purpose? Okay, it's a place to draw near. It's a place to meet God. What else? Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> okay, sanctuary on earth for God's presence. <clears throat> what happens at the tabernacle? Worship and sacrifice, right? And what happens with sacrifice? When, when you make sacrifice, what takes place at the tabernacle? Blood is shed for sins, and then when that, once that blood is shed, you have what's called atonement, right? A covering over of sins. Okay, all right. So with that in mind, somebody read 2 Corinthians 5, 19. Terry's on the lookout. He's ready. I'm doing my best. Yes, he is. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Okay, so where does God dwell now? Well, you guys are jumping the gun. In this text, where does God dwell? We're going to get to that part in a minute. But okay, so let's read the text one more time. Second Corinthians five nineteen. God was reconciling the world. What does that mean? That means to draw people to Himself, bring people to His presence. Where He already talked about in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was that place, right? It's the place where people are drawn to to come into the presence of God to find atonement, right? Okay, read the text again. God is reconciling, bringing people into His presence to Himself. Where? In Christ. Okay, so Christ here becomes a picture of the tabernacle. What happened at the tabernacle? Sacrifice of sins takes place. The blood of bulls and goats, it covers it over. It, get, it creates atonement for the forgiveness of sins, but that doesn't happen anymore. In the text, where does all that take place? It takes place in Christ. In Christ, okay? Um, turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians 2, verse 9. And when you get there, somebody read that one. And Terry's ready. He's got the mic. So don't everybody argue over who's going to read. Take turns. The joke. Thank you, Sally. Verse 9. Uh, yes, ma'am. Colossians 2.9. I say this because all of God lives in Christ fully, even in his life on earth. What version is that? ERV, English Revised? That reads completely different than mine. Did I write down the wrong scripture? Okay, let me read what I have. For, it, oh, for in Christ all oh, okay, there we go. the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. <laughs> Who's there going, man, the New Living Translation was way loose on that one. <laughs> okay, thank you. Let's read it one more time, Sally, please. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Okay. In the tabernacle, 
Where was God's presence? In the Holy of Holies, right? The Holy of Holies. And what did the text tell you right here? In Christ, there's that language again, in Christ all of the fullness of deity dwells where? In Him. Now think about that. So when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, He was a walking temple of God, was He not? Because the presence of God, the Bible says that all of the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. That, that just blows my mind when you think about it. When I think about Moses on the you know, on the mountain of God, and he's, you know, you have the thunder and the lightning, you see the presence of God, it's very manifest. You see and feel the presence of God. And it's dangerous when you get in the presence of God because he's holy. And if you're not, you got a problem. <laughs> I liken it to a, a pure flame. If you had like a torch and you have that blue flame that's blowing out, it's pure energy just coming out. And, and, and we, because of sin, we're kind of like a speck of dust. And what happens when a speck of dust comes in front of a flame like that? It's consumed up. It's burned up. Which, interestingly enough, is kind of what we call hell, isn't it? It's not something that God desires. It's just the reality of what it is because he's holy. In college, they, they use this word. He's holy other. He's completely anything outside of what you can possibly fathom or dream up or think up. And you're in, not infinite, finite mind. The point is, Christ had God himself dwelling inside of him in bodily form. It's a picture of the tabernacle. Turn one more. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Somebody read that one. I actually have two more. Hebrews 10.5, and while you're doing that, somebody turn over to John 2.19. Brother Kay, can you read one of those? I know you were ready last time. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrificing and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Okay, who's he talking about? Christ. A body you have prepared for me. We all know this, that the Old Testament sacrificial system, the blood and bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats cannot possibly take away sin. The blood of an animal cannot take away the sin of a divine um, created being known as a human being, right? We were created in the image of God. So God knew that in the course of time that he was going to be sending his son. But in the meantime... They had this sacrificial system, right? So every time that they would sacrifice an animal, they would make atonement, like on the Day of Atonement, it would atone for the sins of the people. But that was looking forward to what? It was looking forward to that final sacrifice. So these, these folks were doing what they were doing based upon what God had revealed to them, and they were doing it in faith that if they did what God said to do, that God would do what he said he was going to do, right? And that's a beautiful picture because what that does is that sets us up for the final sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He is not only a picture of the tabernacle, but he is a picture of the sacrifice itself in the tabernacle. Amen? Amen. All right. John 2.19. Somebody read that.
they're tired today. They're tired today. But I do think there's coffee out there if you want some. You know what? I'll read it. I got it. I got it. John 2.19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Now, he was standing at the temple in Jerusalem. But was he talking about that temple? No, he wasn't talking about it. They thought he was, right? They misunderstood what he was saying, but he was talking about the temple of his own body. Now, we could go on and on and on, but I think it's clear the tabernacle is a picture. Not only was it the actual physical location of the presence of God in the Old Testament, but when the Messiah comes, it's also a picture of him. Are we all together on that? Okay, now let's go ahead and move forward to the next picture. And, and this is the one that you were getting at just a moment ago. And forgive me, I don't remember your name. Betty Star. Betty. Miss Betty. Okay. What is it also a picture of, Miss Betty? And you mentioned it before. Oh, the throne of God? Who was, yes. Who was it that said it's also a picture of us? Christ in the church. Would somebody say that? Maybe I just misheard. I don't know. What's that? The Spirit said that. He whispered in my ear and I thought it was you, okay? Okay, um, let's read this scripture together. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. We know it really well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. Now, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. But the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own did not receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Now watch this, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Now I want you to note, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, it says that Jesus made his dwelling among us. Guess what the word is there? Tabernacle. He made his tabernacle among us. In other words, you could translate it this way, and I've heard some people translate it this way, that he tabernacled among us. All right? Uh, is, is the picture. Again, the purpose of the tabernacle what was its purpose? It was to contain the glory of God. In the Old Testament, we called that what? The Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory. What is the Shekinah glory? It's the manifest presence of God. Right? So go back to Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. He's up on uh, the hill, or the hill, excuse me, he's up on the mountain. Um, I guess I thought Moses was in Texas, right? Um, He's up on the mountain, and again, you see the thunder. You hear the thunder. You see the lightning, the smoke, and the fire. That's a manifestation of the Shekinah glory, the presence of God. Um, 
the, the Shekinah glory resided within the Holy of Holies in the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember, the high priest could only go in one time a year after going through extreme ceremony for himself to make atonement for his own sins. He could go in one time a year at the Day of Atonement. And it was a worrisome and fearful thing to walk beyond that veil, wasn't it? Right? Because why? Because you were in the Shekinah glory. You were in the, the manifest presence of God. Well, listen to this. One more time here, you see Jesus as a picture of the temple. It says he tabernacled with us. Jesus himself has the Holy Spirit living inside of him. Do you realize that when we talk about having the Holy Spirit dwell inside of us, we are talking about the Shekinah glory of God. So don't even sit there and say that I'm a weak Christian who doesn't have power. Listen to me, you've got the Shekinah glory of God living inside of you, amen? That's why it says that it's a fearful thing to have God living inside of you, right? So work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who's at work in you, giving you both the will and the desire and the ability to carry out his divine purposes. That's the Shekinah glory. I find that amazing. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. In all the major religions, all five of them, and, and even in all the minor ones that I know of, the onus of responsibility for connecting man with God is on man. Yes. That man has to live a good life and do the right things, and then he can be reconciled to God. The reconciliation is universal. That's all religions are going for that. The uh, Christianity, Judea, the Judeo-Christian relationship is the only religious experience in history where the onus of responsibility was on God, yeah. that he came to man to reconcile. And just like John, the beginning of John, uh, the beginning of his first letter has the same impact in, in 1, verse 2 and 3. The life appeared, we've seen it, <coughs> and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So that's really the whole purpose of what we're doing yeah. is to continue, like you're saying, the presence of God on earth and just tell people, look, we're just trying to get you in on this great thing, this relationship that you can have with God. And it's because he came to us. We didn't have to bridge the gap to him. That's beautiful. And you wrote the book on the subject. That's right. Yep. Um, so before Jesus is crucified, he, he tells his disciples about a new reality that's going to take place after he ascends back up in heaven. He says this, this Shekinah glory, which again is the Holy Spirit, um, is now going to come and it's going to dwell in you. It, it was in me, it's in me, and I'm ascending to heaven, but I'm going to give that very same gift to you. So John 14, 15 through 17 says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another 
advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And on the day of Pentecost, what happened? That's right. Holy Spirit came exactly the way Jesus talked about. So the promise was for them. It was for their children. It was for many as the Lord God should call all across the world. And um, it's the receiving of this Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? When you have the Shekinah glory living inside of you, what does that make you? You're a tabernacle. You are also a tabernacle because you are in Christ So not only is it a picture of God's literal dwelling place, it is also a picture of Jesus Christ as he come to tabernacle with us. But because Christ has ascended and he sent that Shekinah glory to come and live inside of us, now you and I are the tabernacle. Woo, wait a minute. I need Augustine back here going, woo, like that, right? Because go back to what we talked about at the beginning. What's the purpose of the tabernacle? It's the place where God draws people to himself. Do you think God is drawing people to himself through you? It's the place where you come into encounter, come to encounter the atonement of Jesus Christ. Is that not the message that we are called to tell other people? Right? So you and I have become the place on the earth for people to experience the glory of God. I was hoping for a little bit more excitement than that. But it makes you giddy, doesn't it, Terry? When you think about that, guys, it really does. Okay, so when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, that makes you the temple. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. I want to have somebody read this one. So have a volunteer. Raise your hand nice and high. If I don't get volunteers, I'm going to start picking people. There we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 through 17. Time out. Who's reading it? She's got it. Uh-oh. They're fighting over him. Hey, Craig, I got you on the next one. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Mm. Now, before, Craig, you read, does anybody have any thoughts on that? Yeah, all right, go ahead. Right. Oh, I like that. We're mobile. 
Yeah, we can pick up the tent pegs and move on, go from place to place. That's a good point. Let, I want to just kind of sit here for a minute. Craig, we're going to read that text next, okay? Let's just sit here for just a moment. What does it mean to you to know that you have the Shekinah glory living inside of you right now? Like, what, does, that, does that change anything? Just being aware of that, does that affect you? Does that change anything? Does that influence anything? Yes, sir. One thing that stands out to me, and I had to look it up to make sure, Paul didn't say you, he said y'all. Y'all. Y'all are God's temple. So All y'all. That's yeah. Is, is he talking about the unity of the believers, or is he talking about each one of you? That's a really good question. So let's read it one more time, and let's, let's, let's bring that question to the text. Don't, can we use y'all? This is, they're from southern Judah, okay? Don't y'all know that you all, yourselves, together as a church, are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? I like that, in your midst, right? All of you together. If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Thank you for bringing that out. Very specifically, it's a togetherness that makes them a part of the temple. So again, does that change anything? Does that influence church? Does that change the way you think about church? That together we embody the Shekinah glory. What do you think? I don't, I don't want to be the one dividing the church either. See, or even attempts to destroy that, God will destroy that person. You know what it reminds me of, David? You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you have the Lord's Supper going on there, but Paul says you're not taking the Lord's Supper because they're so divided, right? You have some that are following Paul and Apollos, and they're dividing over spiritual gifts. They're dividing over political things and um, financial divisions. There are some that are rich, some that are poor. There's all kinds of divisions that are happening there. You have a lot of people that are engaging in sexual immorality, so it's a really dysfunctional church, right? Lots of division. And he says, you're not taking the Lord's Supper. And he says, if you, don't, if you don't take the Lord's Supper, if you don't eat and drink in a worthy manner, then you're eating and drinking condemnation to yourself. Like, we don't think about that because we take out so much of the supernaturalness of the text but, but listen to what he's saying there, because he's saying that you're eating and drinking condemnation to yourself. Now, we think that um, discerning the body in that context means that when we pass around the Lord's Supper, that we're supposed to close our eyes and think about the crucifixion. Right? A lot of people think that, that, that. It's a solemn moment for me and Jesus. And that's not what he's saying in the text. What he's saying in the text is, is that if you're taking the Lord's Supper as a church, you need to be in unity. Because if you're faking unity and you're taking the Lord's Supper, then you're mocking the Shekinah glory that's in your midst. And if you mock the Shekinah glory that's in your midst, what happened on the mountain with Moses when he received the Ten Commandments? You don't even get close to the mountain because if you touch the mountain in an unworthy way, you're going to die. And so that explains then why he says what he says in the very next verse. He says that's why some among you are weak, you're sick, and some of you are even dying. In other words, you are bringing a judgment upon the congregation. Just like in the Old Testament, when sin came in the camp, what happened? They all suffered. Things started to happen. Now, look, you may disagree with me on that, and that's fine. That's just what I see in the text. 
there's a supernatural element to what we do because we are together embodying the Shekinah glory of God. Any thoughts before we move forward? Then I'm going to have Craig read this, this other text here. Uh, I think he just used the Shekinah because it was how everybody typically pronounces it or whatever, but it is Shekinah. Shekinah, yeah. All right, so it was me the most challenging. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry if I blasted your ears. Everybody will wait until I get there with the microphone. Folks online can hear. All right. I'll do a better job with that, Terry. Thank you. I'll do a better but, job. Yeah, you read earlier from John 14, and to me this is the most thought-provoking verse of the whole Bible and it should be for all of us fourteen twelve, Jesus saying, Truly, truly I say to you, it's probably all y'all. All y'all. <laughs> he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Oh gosh, let our minds run wild on that. Raising the dead, lame walking and deaf I mean dumb speaking and just walking around miracles. Yep. We all ought to be Jesus. So if we were truly Jesus Wow, we would sure change the world. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. I mean, we cannot grasp the greatness, the goodness, his infinite love that he just desires to just pour out on us, through us, by us, for us, to bless the whole world. That's always been his purpose, to have us set apart, people and have them pure and wholly dedicated to God so that we can be walking around just rejoicing and say, wow, you, God is so stinking good. You just can't believe it. y'all." <laughs> Sometimes I feel you know? like that the Holy Spirit is just sitting around wait, waiting for us to wake up yes. and just realize who we are and whose we are. Amen. All right, Craig. So now I think this text goes a little bit more toward the individual side of things a little bit. Let's read this one. First uh, Corinthians 6. 18 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do, not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought, bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, that makes sense, right? So here you are. You're, and in the context there, he's talking about joining yourself with a prostitute. And he's like, if, if you have the Shekinah glory living inside of you, I asked the question earlier, how does that affect you? How does that change things? Well, there's one example right there. If you have the Shekinah glory living inside of you, then... Should you be engaging in sexual immorality? I didn't, nobody said anything. I'm hoping you're saying no right now. Like, I'm, it's so quiet today. No, you should not be engaging in sexual immorality. Why? Because now your body is sacred. It's holy. It's to be regarded as set apart and special, right? So no, you don't engage in sexual immorality because of the fact that you do have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And then one final verse, I'm going to read this, and then we're going to close for this morning, is Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And this is going to wrap up the, the big picture, if you will, the tabernacle. And then next week, we're going to get into the text of the book of Exodus itself.
And uh, we're going to walk through it. We're going to walk through all the instructions, and we're going to show you that every single item, every single piece of furniture, and I'll even say this, so this makes some people think I'm a little crazy, I believe that even every material that is used, every metal that is used, every color that is used points to Jesus Christ in some way. You say, God's not that detailed. Oh, yes, he is. Every detail of that structure points to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I haven't read it yet. I was about to. Yes, ma'am. I'll read it right now. She wants me to hurry up and read this. So I'll go ahead and get to it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. It's Revelation 21.3. And it says this, and I'll stop here. So you guys know this is the very end, right? This is the end of the end. This is after the day of the Lord. This is at that blessed time that you and I wait for on a day-to-day basis when Jesus finally returns, when he, when he sets right the things that have been made wrong, when He brings justice to the world, when He takes down His foes, and everything is wonderful, and, and, and just, just we get to be with Jesus. Here's what it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling, his dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be uh, uh, with them and be their God. Okay, so now we come full circle. What is the point of the tabernacle? The point of the tabernacle all along has been there to tell you, I love you and I want to be with you. Because in the Garden of Eden, it says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. In the beginning, we had presence with God. And there was no problems we enjoyed that oneness, heaven on earth. It, it, people have a hard time accepting that, that, that heaven is going to have tangibility to it. But, but I don't have a problem with that because to me, wherever God is, that's where heaven is. And the Bible says that heaven comes down to earth and it's renovated, it's made new. And it says that he will tabernacle with his people. So the final fulfillment, if you will, of that picture of the tabernacle is being able to dwell and be in the presence of God forever. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's a beautiful thing. Okay, well, we're going to stop here this week, and we will pick up next week. Um, we'll start going through the actual implements of the tabernacle. Hey, anybody, real quick, want to guess how many furniture items are in the temple? How many? Uh, the tabernacle, excuse me. I'm in the tabernacle. If you were to, like, the first thing you encounter is what? The, the, the altar, where you do the sacrifices. And then there's this, and there's this. There's how many total? How many objects? Bronze labor. Table of showbread. Ark of the Covenant. Anybody know? How many? Seven. Very good. I, I'll tell you this right now. If you want to cheat in the Bible, guess seven. Especially when you do the book of Revelation. I would do this all the time when I teach Revelation because I would bring out all kinds of stuff. There are so many sevens in the book of Revelation that you, you just don't even realize how many sevens there are. But I would be like, you know, five months in the book of Revelation. I would say, how many are there? And the class had learned by then. They'd say, seven. And they were always right. You know, they were always right. 
But we'll get into it next week. We're going to look at the seven objects that are in the, the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to go through them one by one. And again, we're going to see that every single one of these things point to, in some unique way, shape, or form, Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, we'll stop there. God bless you.